0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast. So, 249, I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today talking about video games. Hey, I played some video games. I did it. I, I won. Um, I beat Cooking Mama Cook-Off, finally. If you don't know, we actually played a little bit of that on stream back in November. We did it for a Thanksgiving stream, and I was like, okay, I'm going to come back and finish this. And the intention was that weekend to go back and finished Cooking Mama Cook-Off for the Nintendo Wii. Uh, it did not happen, <laughs> So as you as you probably could have guessed. Um, so I was looking through a list of games, like, I need to get some of these games off my list of things to do, right? And and I have a handful of those. Um, basically, right now, I'm thinking about Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine. That really needs to get done. I started that in, like, 2020 and still have not gotten to that. Maybe before 2020. I could be wrong. <laughs> but that game, it got put on hold for a variety of reasons, um, but I'm like two-thirds of the way through. I really like that game. Um, it's a really cool game, and, and it's still sitting here beside me because I want to make sure I do not forget, um, and it's there. So I'm hoping that's going to be soon, but I finished, or, and then the other games were God of War 3. I just got to wrap up the single-player stuff get back to sparkling feathers so I can finish the English guide and then buddy mission bond of course but anyways back to cooking mama um so yeah I mean it is if you saw that stream um you know it doesn't really evolve beyond that you know it is pretty much cooking mama if you don't know the formula of cooking mama basically choose a recipe you want to make there's like Five to ten steps along the way, you get graded on each of those steps, and then at the end you get a final grade and you get a medal that's like bronze, silver, gold, things like that. The big difference with this game versus at least Cooking Mama 1, I actually never played Cooking Mama 2 on DS, or really any other Cooking Mama game, um, is that this game has uh, friends from around the world who, uh, who you cook off against. So you basically have two recipes from different regions, and you have to compete against somebody from that region and, and, and defeat them, essentially. And if you get first place on every single one of those, you basically get like a trophy, or you get like two trophies. You get like a silver trophy, and you get a gold trophy. Um, And, and I guess that's probably considered maybe the story mode of the game, in quotes, although you have to unlock it through doing normal recipes. I just went through the entire recipe book, uh, first and foremost, and then I went back and did the, the friends afterwards, which I kind of regret because... There were some things with the with the cooking with your friends thing. By friends, I mean literally computer. There is there is two-player cooking, cooking and cooking mama. Um, but I, I went back and then so they will ask you to do certain recipes, but they won't show you everything. I don't know if it's like a limitation of being like the split screen. But some of the instructions still literally say follow the instructions on screen for what to do. But then they don't show the instructions for what to do in a split screen match. They only show it in a single player mode. Or, 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 you know, in a split screen match with a CPU, right? So, you're like, oh, uh, I don't know how to do this thing. Like, I did it before. I know that much. But I, I don't know how to do it at this moment because they're not showing me. So, you, like, sit there and just kind of guess. Um, but once you figure it out and you realize what you're doing, you're like, okay, I, I, I've I, got this. So, this this game, and, you know, I, I don't want to give it too much trouble because it is a very early Wii game. I think it might have been if not launch, launch window, I remember Cooking Mama Cook-Off being, like, a game they were showing off at the Nintendo World Store when they were, um, showing the Wii before it actually launched. Um, I, I remember, I didn't go there, but I remember seeing, like, pictures of that, and, like, at least in my head, I very distinctly remember seeing people playing Cooking Mama Cook-Off there. Um, but, but, yeah, so it, it, the, the, the big problem it has is, um, there's really three problems I ran into. I hope I'm counting that right. I might only have two problems. But <laughs> but um, there's a problem with the actual game, which is, this is a problem with a lot of Wii games, is making sure you communicate to the player what motion you need them to do, right? It's a problem I had with like Happy Dance Collection, where the communication they're providing you of how to do a motion and what they're looking for is not clear. And especially with the early Wii remote, they're usually looking for a very particular type of motion. And so um, if you, the player, don't know what particular motion they're looking for, it can make it really hard to to uh, achieve that motion. But because, you know, as as a person, like, when you're cracking eggs or whatever in, in Cooking Mama, like, there's, like, this very particular motion it feels like they're looking for. But, you know, you can, you know, crack eggs in a lot of ways. Like, you can have it if you're, like, holding an egg and you, like, swing the Wii the out to the side. You know, if you're, like, cracking the egg from the front, you can, like, swing the Wii out forward. Things like that, right? So there's like different ways people can interpret the ability to do this. And so, you know, I don't know if the game was specifically designed to be this way, but I really only found if I move the Wii remote at like an angle and then like clicked it that way. That was the only way I could really get the egg to consistently crack on the bowl kind of thing. Otherwise, I'd swing it and then like... It seemed like nothing would happen or I'd do the smallest movement and then like, you know, you would basically just crush the egg into the side of the ball. It was it was really, really frustrating in a lot of ways. So um, it, it has that problem. And I think that makes probably the game itself, unless you really are, are willing to experiment with different types of motions. I think that really kind of kills the game in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, um, the game is very heavily motion based. And so if you don't nail that down, then you've already kind of lost the player, I think. Um, so that was the first thing. I said three things. Was there anything that was beyond what I'm about to say? Because another thing I'm about to say is not so much a fault of the game, probably. I think maybe I meant two things. If I think of a third thing, I'll let you know. But the second thing, and this is not necessarily a fault of the game, is um, I think I think the problem I'm having, and it's so weird because like I don't have this problem with every system I have, I think that I might have like a lot of interference in, in the like space around my desk. I mean, it wouldn't be too surprising. I have a ton of stuff here. I don't really fully understand how like Bluetooth interference happens. I kind of generally assume that like it means you have a lot of wireless devices turned on, which I don't really have that, honestly. Um, but I think where my Wii U is right now, yeah, there's a lot of interference is blocking the, the Wii Remote signal. And I think this may also be true for Joy-Cons, which is part of the reason why I've had so much trouble with Joy-Cons in the past. If you don't know, I'll just have like my Joy-Cons randomly disconnect. And so obviously that was a problem early on in the Wii's or the Switches wife wife life, um, where Joy-Cons would disconnect and you know basically the second batch of switches at least tried to resolve that issue. Um, however, I have consistently had it with like every Joy-Con I've ever had. However, I don't have that problem with the Pro Controller, and I don't have that problem with like PlayStation 4 controllers, things like that. So I'm not sure what it is, but I've noticed that my Wii Remote Um, may also have the same issue when I'm connected to a Wii where it's like, occasionally, it just like drops connection, like for very, very split second kind of thing. And for the Wii, it's not that big of a deal. Most of the time. Um, the only way I really notice this is by like my cursor on the screen, maybe flickering out of place for like a second. Um, but in the bigger thing in Cooking Mama, there are times when you're like squeezing things in the game and you have to hold down the button to squeeze it. And as soon as you let that button go, Cooking Mama interprets that as, okay, you're done. So you'll be like squeezing like, like some fudge into like a plate or something. And there's like a very specific space they want you to squeeze that fudge into. But if the controller disconnects very, very briefly for a split second, it says, I don't have a B button input, therefore you have let go. And then it will basically stop doing the, the fudge and it'll move you to the next one. So even if you only got like a speck of fudge on the plate, then then it will still move you on to the next one. And so you fail that, essentially. This is also a thing for like picking up and carrying certain things. So when you're trying to drop things into oil, like you'll be holding like a, a like a, what is it? Are they called wontons or whatever? I don't remember. But like, it, like basically it'll be dragging it over and then it will just drop it. And it's because you split second, let go of the beat button kind of thing. So what I'm thinking is with my current setup, you know, this is a great thing to kind of come to a realization, you know, after uh, (laughs) like reconfiguring everything and wiring it in a way that makes it kind of hard to work with it. um, Since I have kind of everything wired up at this point, I might actually take my Wii U Switch and Wii and bring it up to the top of my shelf where there's no like wall, like wall to the 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 shelf itself. Right now it's like on my bottom shelf and there's like a um, you know, it's 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 like a entertainment center. So like, you know, between me and the Wii, I can I have line of sight to the systems, but it's just like the front of them. The sides and the back are like behind the actual wood panel for the the entertainment center. So I'm thinking maybe what I'll do is currently have my PC98 on the top here. And then I'll just move that to the bottom and then bring the, um, the, the Wii U and Switch on top and see if that helps with my connection issues. And maybe that will do it. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to solve my problem, but it's, it's, it's been an ongoing problem. And Cookie Mama Cook-Off was probably the first time I really had an idea of exactly what was happening and why it was happening kind of thing. So... That was nice. The Joy-Cons are are just kind of weird. Like, I don't think the Joy-Cons handle being disconnected for split seconds very well, assuming the same thing's happening to the Wii Remote and the Joy-Cons. Cause I have had times where literally like the Joy-Con will lock up and I cannot power it off. I cannot reconnect to the system. It is just stuck powered on with nothing connected to it, essentially. And so I just have to wait for it to die, essentially. So I wonder if that is part of the reason why is like it gets these like really quick drops and connections and at some point it gets confused and just like I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm powered on right now now so so yeah um so yeah i I finished that happy happy i did that and i'm hoping to finish up some of those other games i mentioned earlier i think i'll spend a little bit more time with god eater three i think i want to kind of grind through those a bit maybe we'll see um the next one is uh babylon's fall demo so um you know (laughs) This is kind of kind of my thing to some degree for better or for worse. Like if I hear a stink going up about a game that looks like pretty okay, um, but like people are just like trash at it. I think it really catches my interest of like, is this game actually as bad as people like say it is? Um, you know, I've had an interest in Battle and Wonder World before that game came out, so like that wasn't necessarily going to be the case that, that uh I hated it. I think the the fact that the demo was so negatively received and I also received it pretty positively, um, I think that was enough of a drive for me to say I should play through this as soon as I can. Like I should be a part of this conversation that happens. And um, same thing with um I think uh what was that game? Mighty number no. nine. Like I liked Mighty number nine, but like I, the, the main reason I tried my, my number nine is because basically there's a big stink that happened about it. People were angry about it. And then also a friend of mine, Josh, he, he gave me, um, a digital copy. Uh, on PC. So I was able to play it that way um, and and really enjoy it. So so the, the, those, there's those situations. So Babylon Fall kind of falls within that a little bit. However, I do know, you know, with Babylon Fall being a live game, I was I was initially interested in it before I found out about the live game aspects. I was like, maybe I'm not interested in this. I don't know to what extent it's a live game, right? I don't know if there's like a full story you can play through today or if they're still going to be adding on stuff in the, in the near future. Uh, but I went ahead and played the demo because the, the game was getting received pretty poorly. Uh, I think there's two kind of major factors one is the combat itself well three major factors probably I can count this time I know there's three major factors I can think of one is the combat itself it's very mashy and that's absolutely true it is very mashy I'll get into details like what I do like about the combat here in a little bit the second part is it's very microtransactiony In playing the demo I only really saw cosmetic microtransactions I could be wrong about that But that is what I mainly saw. Um, But, you know, Square Enix has definitely been going hard into the battle pass. They literally put a battle pass in Jocobo GP, right? So, like, that's a very Square Enix kind of thing right now. Um, but in playing the demo at least it didn't seem like it was like an essential part of that game something you may want to interact with if you're going to be playing it long term but you know the fact that you paid a full price for this video game and now they're like layering on all these other aspects is kind of a a bummer I think Um, and and that was a very negative uh, uh, part of that game uh, or part of the feeling about that game right now and then the other aspect was the graphics which I will say as ugly as it can look at times, I do like the graphics of Babylon's Fall. If you don't know, it basically has almost like a painter aesthetic to it. Um, they they wanted to look like paintings on a on a on a uh, canvas kind of thing, and initially they went really really deep into this, and people did not like the aesthetic like at all um, in the beta or whatever. And there's definitely I can tell there's definitely a reason why. Like there's certain like scenes that look really good when it's like for particular angles. But, like, sometimes if you're just, like, looking at your character head-on and, like, there's a very dense background with a lot of stuff happening, it just looks like kind of a muddy mess. However, if you do have, like, one large color of, like, um... Like, for example, it's a guy who's playing like an accordion. And when he's playing the accordion, he has like this big purple sheet behind him. And when, when it's just like your two characters standing there with that big purple sheet behind you, it has a really nice look. So I think it works really well with like solid colors. And they have this like um, overlay that they have where it's like basically applies like paintbrush effects and stuff onto the, the game. So it's almost like. All the graphics in the game are painted on and they have like glops in the texture from like the, the, like too much paint being added in certain areas and things like that. So it's a really neat aesthetic. It just, I think when you, when you think about it in a full 3D game where you can see essentially anything in any direction kind of thing, and largely, you know, the, the actual content of the graphics underneath being pretty straightforward, it it very much looks like a PS3 style Monster Hunter game to me in a lot of ways. Maybe a little more, a little more like, maybe a better comparison would be like, say, Say if like Final Fantasy XIV was entirely made up of the region of Thanalan, right? So Ul'dah, you know, the areas outside of that and Final Fantasy 14. I think Final Fantasy XIV is popular enough that I can at least do that reference, but very deserty brown areas. Um the whole game looks that kind of like desert brown look. At least early on, it, it looks that way. Um and and from everything I've seen promotional material-wise, it also looks like that too. Um so I think that that um like like kind of dense dense drab color scheme, I think, um, hurts that game in that way as well. So anyway, so those are the the reasons people dislike it. Um, my general impressions are that it's, it's a pretty okay video game. Like I said, it kind of reminds me of a PS3 game. And that reminds me of it, not only in terms of visuals, but also in terms of like content and character delivery and things like that. Like it is a very, Interesting game in its, its delivery where it feels more like that Final Fantasy 14 1.0 kind of like theatrical um, um, uh, uh, performances. So all the characters have like really overacted voice acting. Like one of the main characters literally has a voice that's like, hello, I'm this guy kind of thing. And like, I like him a lot. He's like a pretty great character. um And like, all the characters I think have that thing that I like where it's like, it, everyone's on like a prison and and while there's definitely a hierarchy and people who are better off than other people like nobody really wants to be there either at the same time so so it it kind of makes this like interesting dynamic between characters as they build relationships with the characters above them even though there's very much clearly this servile sur- sur- servile <laughs> um like relationship between them as well where you know you are kind of like you're definitely, they, they definitely view your life less than theirs. Um, but they don't necessarily treat you like complete dirt kind of thing, right? Um, it's just an interesting, like, dynamic to see play out and, like, how those relationships build. And, you know, when, when one of your characters has in your, in your kind of ranks has this kind of, like, I don't know if touching moment or, like, moment where they, like, kind of appreciate the person above them a little more, even though they treat them like shit kind of thing. Like, that, that's, it's interesting to see that kind of dynamic play out because it's not your traditional, I think story dynamic in terms of like how like um, it's like slavery, I guess for all intents and purposes, um, is handled. Right, <clears throat> it's usually very very cut off between the people above and the people below, kind of thing. And so to see that intermingling and 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 like where those those lines overlap and things like that, and how they like each layer of that like servitude kind of overlaps with one another i think is, is 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 neat it's something i really liked about freedom wars as well um seeing that aspect of the game as well so anyways uh, i did like that um the, the combat aspect of the game i think i pretty much agree it's pretty just pretty mashy you know you're basically have two well you we have four attack buttons but two standard attack buttons right your typical video game, light and heavy attack. I don't remember how Platinum Games games play and how they work. I feel like Nier Automata had like light and heavy as well, but maybe I'm misremembering. Um, but essentially, it's your, your typical combo, of just like, you know, light, 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 heavy, you know, heavy, 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 heavy kind of thing, right? Um, but what's weird about this game is you have these kind of weapons you also have like floating behind you, and those are attached to the trigger button, so the L2, R2. And um, when you use those those um, triggers, um, they don't actually make your character attack. Those weapons just attack on their own. So they literally float behind you. If you press the attack button on one of those, it will attack, your character's animations are interrupted, you can do anything you can normally do from a neutral stance, basically. So while you're in combat, you can also use those weapons behind you at the same time. Um, what that weapon does depends on what weapon it is. If it's like a sword, it's just like your standard slashes. If it's like a hammer, you know, it does like a a standard crush attack you can do, but you can also charge it. So if you hold it, it charges up and I think it's like to three charges and then you can slam it down. And then you also have like bows that can charge up to do like additional um, damage. I think they may, I have to double check, but I think they also maybe change like the fire, uh, like kind of, um, I guess, fire, like a uh, trajectory, I guess. Like I think sometimes it's like a spread shot or sometimes it's direct. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like that is the case, but you can charge up these weapons or just like have them slice or just sit there and tap them and have them spam attacks as well. So you can just keep like shooting arrows and things like that. Um, so it's like a really cool mechanic, really. Um, but in terms of execution of how it actually plays out in combat, what happens is, you know, these these uh, additional weapons use up magic points behind you. And I will say I've only played one class in the entire game. So the other classes may play differently. I played like the, tr- the traditional starting class or whatever. But um, so when you use these weapons behind you, they take up mana. But when you use the, the weapons in your hands, they restore mana. So, you know, you essentially want to do like, you know, a combination of both of the attacks to the point that you um, you know, are are restoring enough mana so you can use your behind the back attacks, but then also, you know, using enough of the back attacks to do the most damage, right? But what what it really ends up being is that you just kinda like smash all the buttons all at once, and then you just kinda like let everything go out all the time, basically. Um so it is very, very mashy. I think there's a way they could have balanced that. Um, that would have made it more, um, maybe make, make the back art, like back weapons, less like things you work into your combos and more of like ways to like do spike damage kind of thing. Like do a bunch of damage at once with a bunch of MP or something, maybe something like that. But right now how it is, you basically end up like flicking the triggers while also pressing the the light and the heavy attack button, usually the light attack button more than anything on the actual melee. Cause that keeps you nimble. So you can keep moving around. Um, the the one thing that I do find particularly challenging though is, and maybe there's other I haven't looked to see maybe there's ways to remap the controls, um, but the dodge button is on R1. But for me, when I'm using like a controller, um, I'm not holding all four fingers on like the the shoulder buttons and the 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 shoulder or the uh, uh what are they called triggers. I'm usually just using like two fingers for that. And then I'll bring up my other finger if I need it kind of thing. So for me, it feels weird to kind of bring another finger up and then interact with both buttons at once kind of thing. Maybe it's just a weird me thing. It's not something I ever really think about. Most games don't really ask you to use the same button on the same shoulder or the same uh, shoulder buttons at the same time between the you know r1 and r2 it's usually separate inputs so so it feels a little awkward to do especially in the heat of combat for me personally but you could remap the controllers controls maybe i haven't looked to see i feel like most games these days will let you remap the controls i could be wrong but anyways but you know i in playing it you know again i just played the demo so it's like the first five hours um and i i thought it was fine like it was not a bad game uh i don't think it's a four out of ten that's for sure Um, but is it like not great? Eh, I'd say it's probably not great for the most part. Um, I do love the story and characters though. And I like, I think in, in a perfect world where I had all the free time to do anything, I think I would play through the entirety of Babylon's Fall. Um, It feels like a game that I would enjoy to sit down and play through and like kind of appreciate it for what it is, but then just kind of like move on with my life. (laughs) Um, You know, I'll I'll be curious to see because it is a live game. So it does really bring up the question of like, how long will Square Enix support a game if it doesn't like get received well? Um, You know, Final Fantasy 14, I think is a very rare exception. I think in, in most cases, when you look at how Square Enix handles their live games on mobile devices, they shut most of them down just how it is. So we'll see. But uh, I, I don't have a ton of confidence that it's going to have some long-term legs, unfortunately. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe it'll work out. Um, I would I would love for Babylon's Fall to, to uh, succeed because I do enjoy, you know, what I saw for the most part. And I would like to see them kind of rework the combat a little bit. Um, I don't think I need them to make it a Platinum combat system. I'm somebody who doesn't... Like, I, I always say that I don't care about Platinum. And that's not me saying, like, I don't really, like... Like, I have not played enough of their games to really say that much about their gameplay, to be honest with you. But I look at all their games, and they all look the same to me. I'm just like, yeah. I mean, they, they have different aesthetics for sure. But, like, combat-wise, they pretty much all look the same. Now, that is coming from somebody who's an outsider who doesn't know anything. So I look at Pokemon games like, these all look the same to me. I know they're not all the same. I know they're different. But to me, they all look the same. So so it's just like, there no point does anything really, like trigger me to want to get into one of the games right because it just looks like oh this just looks like another platinum game kind of thing so um, the fact that this game does have like a, a slightly more simplified combat system does not bother me um, I, at least it looks a little different I will say and 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 that but yeah we'll see I think there's I think there's also kind of a negative reaction because um, platinum is trying to you know um, be more of probably a traditional publisher and 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 what you need to do right now if you're a traditional publisher, is make like recurring revenue, right? Um, so, you know, you, you can see with like, I, I think there's a story with like Sony saying that they want to launch like five to 10 live games or something in the near future. That was like a part of the reason why they bought Bungie is to get them to help them make live games. Like that is just where the market's at right now, whether, you know, we like it or not. Um, and if you're looking to be a publisher who's going to grow, I, I really think Platinum is right on the, the the money of what they need to do to to work that out um, whether they're going to be successful doing so and making good video games is a whole other thing. But people love li- live games. Like I will say that, like as as much as I don't like live games, people like them. And if Platinum can make a good live game that people like, I think people will change their tune very, very quickly. Um, so, but you know, that's just me. I'm not going to say too much. I'm not a business person. I don't know shit about shit. <laughs> so yes. Um, speaking of random garbage that um, I shouldn't have played. So instead of playing a Platinum game, um, there was one night. I think I talked about this. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. I don't think I did. I think I talked about this on stream. There was one night where I just like felt like nothing. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. I just know I need to do something that is not just sitting here staring at Twitter uh, right now. But my brain is so dead. I don't know what I want to do with this. I feel like this might have been two weeks ago at this point. Um, and... <laughs> And I, I remembered, I don't remember what, you know, I think I made a joke about it recently Um, to a friend. He had bought me a copy of a game called Hentai Sniper like five years ago at this point, I think. Um, Like it was like a 99 cent video game. And I was like, I'm not playing Hentai Sniper. So five years later, I was like, maybe I'll just sit down and play some Hentai Sniper. So I didn't know what this game was. You know, I didn't, I was very much hoping it'd be completely like, you know, barely anything, and thank- thankfully it was barely anything, I 100%ed the game in about 20 minutes, so, fine, um, and if you want, you can have, like, nudity on, you can also turn nudity off, but essentially all it is, is that you are, like, in the Middle East, and there's, like, a bunch of naked ladies running around, and you basically are, are sniping them, or whatever, uh, with a sniper rifle, and um, it's, you know, it plays okay, like, like it's, it, it is, it is very much just, like, it's it's a meme game more than anything, so, like, you know, I don't really expect much out of it. And, like, I would not say it was anything that's particularly worth, like, talking about, right? Um, you know, I'm not going to sit there and, like, try to, to uh, you know, convince you that anti-sniper is a good video game. Uh, but, basically, what you do is you snipe the the people, uh, like, they're out on, like, the uh, buildings and stuff like that. Um, and uh, they don't really shoot back at you unless you, like, specifically leave your sniping posts and run towards them. Otherwise, they more or less just, like, stand there. Um and so you snipe them, and then in the Steve a- Steam achievements, not Steve achievements, Steam achievements, there are um, achievements for, I think, getting, like, 30 kills total, getting, like, 30 arm shots, or not 30, like, uh, I think that's, like, 10 arm shots. Maybe it's 50 kills total, and then 10 arm shots, 10, 10 body shots, 10 head shots, 10 ass shots, and then I think, like, 10 foot like shots or something like that i don't remember exactly but but basically you just need to shoot them in like a body a variety of body parts essentially um and that's just the whole video game and once you've done that as far as i can tell that's it Um, I did. I was curious because it is just like a giant desert. I just like ran out into the desert and saw how far I could go. I did find like a building way out in the middle of nowhere where they just had like a bunch of the ladies spawned on top of the building. And I'm like, I don't think these guys are supposed to be here or at least not supposed to be something that the player interacts with. So I was just out there like looking around and stuff. But um, yeah, not very good. Uh, I was not expecting it to be good. Um, You know, if you want to play a meme game, it probably Sure, I guess I didn't like think it was particularly funny either. It just kind of was like, I, it, it's a game that exists only for the concept, right? That is the whole reason that game exists, right? So it's it's a game to gift to your friends randomly and be like, hoo, 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 hoo. now you own a copy of Hentai Sniper. I'm like, all right, I guess I do now. <laughs> so so yeah, so that's pretty much it in terms of video game playing. Um, I did try to play a little bit of uh, Dragon Mark for Death with my friends. Uh, we we got the PlayStation Four version. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know what the issue is, but there's some problem with network communication where me and one of my friends in the group, um, we cannot see each other's cursors in the menu when you're on like the the matching screen or whatever, so you can like choose your loadout and stuff then ready up. So we actually can't see each other ready up, which ends up being making it so we actually can't start a game. And I don't know what the problem is yet. Um, it's something that we have to look into a little bit more, but it's probably going to tr- like take some troubleshooting. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we're all in the same version of the games. I can match up with other people in our group, but just this one person I can't match up with, unfortunately. So it's very bizarre. Um, I don't know what the problem is. Uh, also like it let me like queue into, to multiplayer without updating my PS4, which is kind of a weird thing too. I feel like most games, um, force you to update your system before you can actually queue into multiplayer. So. Um, That's unfortunate, Um, and for now, because of that, we we moved over to Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, the remake for that, so playing through that again right now, I'm playing as a um, Lillity, which is not something I've done before, Uh, but it's more or less just smack things for lots of damage kind of class, so... Um, I'm not like super excited to play Crystal Chronicles, but like it's a fine enough game to sit through, like sit down and play through. The one thing I didn't get to do much of with Crystal Chronicles was play the hard mode dungeons, So I'm hoping with this group, that is something that happens as like a, a, where we actually dive deep into those. Although from what I remember, I looked into like the drops that come from those hard mode dungeons and they're not like particularly interesting. They're more or less just like, Hey, here's like a, Elemental defense item. So, like, it's useful in particular areas to equip, like, this lightning defense or a fire defense, but, like, none of the gear is, like, a real improvement over any of the gear that was, like, in the core game itself already. So, um, that is such a weird release because it's so weirdly, like, busted in some ways. Not busted, just, like, kind of weirdly designed. But yeah, that game, I, you know, I think they're running on their own servers because it's crossplay or whatever. So, I hope they don't shut that down anytime in the near future. Um, I really would like that game to continue to be available as a way for people to play Crystal, uh, Crystal Chronicles online. Um, I did mention to my group that like I am still in the market for playing Echoes of Time. Uh, if you don't know, Echoes of Time is the Wii and DS game. Uh, however, um, the servers are shut down. Um, but it is a game that is supported on the, I think it's called like Wii, WeefMe, Me or whatever it's called, the uh, the fan servers. So it's something that I am really interested in trying sometime. And if I ever can like organize a group to play on uh, uh, Echoes of Time on the Wii and DS, you can play on either one. It's also cross-play on those systems. Uh, I will re- really like to do that someday. So... Also went and double-checked Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Rings of Fate still on sale on Square Enix's website. If you want to buy yourself a physical copy, still a whopping $40 for that game. So (laughs) I love that that game is still there on their website after like, I don't know how long it's been, 15 years at this point. It's just like rotting there. <laughs> so I'm like, I wonder how many copies they must have, if it's like a box of it or if it's like they have like the two copies just sitting in their warehouse still somewhere. Part of me like wants to buy it just to see what happens. Like I know the video, like if it's there, it's just I'm going to get a video game for way too much money. Uh, But like I'm I'm kind of curious about it. Like will it be sold out after I buy the one copy kind of thing? So <laughs> anyways, it's Patreon time. Hello. Welcome to Patreon corner time. Patreon time corner. There you go. Um, yeah. So if you don't know, I have a Patreon. Um, I actually over the weekend last week and changed the Patreon. So now there's only two levels. I think this was a, a true last week as well. Uh, there's the $3 level, which allows you to submit a podcast question. I removed the stream of submission stuff because right now it does not make a lot of sense for that. But you can submit a podcast question or at the $5 level, you can get bonus content. There has not been bonus content really recently. I'll be working on getting some bonus content pulled together from that. Um, And now the $10 behind-the-scenes level is included in the $5 level. So if you go and you want to read that Billy Hatcher review I posted up, um, then you can go check that out. Uh, I'll probably be posting up some other kind of behind-the-scenes content this week. Um, And I think one thing I am going to also do for the Patreon is uh, bring back unboxings there. I had stopped doing unboxings because... I just really didn't feel like they offered a lot of value unless I played the game. And then sitting down and playing the game, it took up a lot of time to sit there and try to figure out that. So, so doing something on the Patreon level, like where I'm just showing you what I bought, I think I feel a little more comfortable uploading something that's a little more, um, I guess shallow would be the right word. Just like, I got this, look at it. Cool. Kind of thing. than than the main YouTube, YouTube content. So, um, I think that's going to be a part of that coming soon here i gotta have to. i have to adjust the setup there um i'm gonna probably i'm gonna try to do some testing this weekend i got a pcfx ga card in which is for the pc 98 uh which basically lets you play pcfx games through your pc 98 um so that is over there in a box right now i have not opened it so i i think i am going to try to do a test one with that and i'll go ahead and upload that to the patreon assuming it works out and is is, is good so Yes. Um, in terms of the Patreon question this week, though, um, the Patreon question was, what is your favorite song from a game? This Patreon question does not come from a person. It comes from the website Level Up Skip. We went ahead, or Level Level Skip, sorry, um, where they have like 50 g- questions to ask a gamer. So they're kind of generic in general. But until we get an actual question that's what it's going to be. I might also, I need to like really utilize the email services I have with my website. Um, so I might also finally get around to getting that email set up in a way that I can actively utilize it. And so I can receive emails from people whenever they want to reach out to me. So, and so you don't have to like sit there and be like, am I going to reach out to him on Twitter? Am I going to reach out to him on here or there? Right now, if you have a Patreon question, just ask it in the actual Patreon question, um, um, uh, post that goes up on Mondays. So, um, but yeah, what is your favorite song from a game It's what came up. Uh, Paul Daniel actually contributed a, uh, an answer to this from, on his side. Um, he said, uh, Rusty Cage from the game Road Rash. So I went and listened to the song for a little bit. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. It's very like nineties <laughs> FMV video game sounding music. So it's, it's an, it's a nice song. Um, Road Rage is a game I actually played a little little bit on I believe the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. I don't know if that's a game that has like different soundtracks per system it's on. Obviously, I think the Nintendo 64 version doesn't have the same music as the other ones because I imagine it's probably all like, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's licensed music in those Road Rage games. I don't remember for sure, but um, I, I do remember liking the soundtrack a lot. And Road Rage games just like seem fun and fine overall. And it very much comes out of that like late, uh, like arcade, like the console kind of feeling out of it. I don't think there's any kind of like arcade road rage road rage, road rage games. Um, I believe the third game, or road rash, sorry. Uh, I believe the third game on the PlayStation was one I looked at. I think Classic Game Room did a review of it, and I was like, this game looks really awesome, and I kind of want to check this out at some point, um, but never did. And I can't remember why I thought it looked awesome, but I remember thinking that it was very cool. Uh, admittedly, Mark from classic game room was one of those kind of people that make you excited about a lot of things and how he, how he talks about it. So, so yeah. Uh, in terms of my side, you know, I, I kind of take the same approach I have to, um, you know, favorite video game here where it's like, at no point do I really have a favorite video game song to be, to be honest with you. Um, so the approach I take is more like along the lines of Skies of Arcadia, or the approach I took in thinking about this is more along the lines of Skies of Arcadia, where I know Skies of Arcadia at any given moment is not my favorite video game. However, it is consistently up there when I think about my favorite video game, right? Um, so this, this answer might sound kind of out of nowhere, although I did have a friend I talked to about this series recently, very briefly, just because he sent me like a comic about it, um, a couple days ago. Um, so there's one song I always return to probably like every six months or so, and that is Queens from Dark Cloud. So this is like the beachside town. And for some reason, the music from that town really stuck out to me at the time. And it's something that still sticks with me today. And I think part of the the, the reason why, and I don't know if this is like a mini thing or what, but there's like this almost like accordion in the song and it has this like really shaky effect it almost sounds like you know it's it's not like like sampled right in the song or something and it's like i should have i'm gonna overlay the music so i shouldn't try to sit here and sing it but like there's this really shaky effect to that accordion music and it like always stood out to me as like a, a really neat effect in that song um and so like i i, I don't think Queens from Dark Cloud is my favorite video game song ever. But if I think about the video game song that has stuck with me the longest and is something I regularly return to on a regular basis, like actually seeking out returning to it, that is probably that. Because a lot of other songs I go through phases, right? Um, actually, I was talking to a friend about the opening thing to Final Zone 2 recently. And like, I love the opening thing to Final Zone 2. Hey, if you like the Xenoblade Chronicles X soundtrack, you should go listen to the opening theme of Final Zone 2, because that is very much in line of that. Um, But like, I don't regularly listen to that anymore. There's like phases of my life where I did. But at this point, I don't really go back and do that. But for some reason, Queens from Dark Cloud, ever since I played it in like 2003 or whenever I picked it up, like that is a song that has regularly returned to me as something I listen to for some reason. So yes, anyways. Thank you again, everyone who's a part of the Patreon. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm going to try to have some content coming up here shortly. I'm going to also try to, once I get some kind of regular content going again, so maybe hopefully by the end of this month, uh, create like a short YouTube video promoting the Patreon a little more um, uh, full force in a lot of ways. I also need to kind of look to see, I think you can embed the Patreon into your like splash screen at the end of certain things. So I might look into embedding that Patreon and maybe, maybe that will be a good opportunity to maybe look into reworking the, um, end title card for the, uh, for the, uh, podcast and other videos as well. We'll think about it though. That kind of stuff is like the boring stuff. I want to make a video. I don't want to work on end title cards. Those kind of things I hate, (laughs) like making YouTube thumbnails and all that stuff. That's like the, the like mindless work of, of making YouTube content. It's just like, I just want to make the video. I don't want to do all this garbage around it figuring out what tags need to be on and all that stuff. So anyways, but yes, anyways, all I'm saying is thank you again for, for subscribing to the Patreon. Um, If you want to ask a Patreon question again, all you have to do is uh, comment on the Patreon question post that goes up on Monday in the afternoons, like at 3 PM Pacific time. You can comment on it anytime during the week. And then as long as I catch it before like Friday, like a night before that's typically Friday nights the earliest I'll record the podcast in the week. Uh, I'll include it as a part in worst case scenario. If you ask the question and I already record the podcast, I'll just shift it over the next week over and let you know for that. So Patreon corner closed. This is now a no longer Patreon cubicle. It's a Patreon cube, complete cube. No, no, no escape from Patreon. Once we've closed it off, all that Patreon content just gets locked in there. So Um, in terms of news this week, um, there was the state of play. Um, I will say I I, I did it very last minute, um, but I did do a reaction video thing, I guess you could say, to the state of play. So if you are curious about my feelings about those individual game announcements, you can go look at it there. Hey, if you watch that reaction video or watch that reaction video in the future here, that was the first time I've tried to do something like that. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I just was like, I guess I'm just going to comment on these. Um, So let me know if you have any thoughts about how those are done. Like if there's something you would like out of those, is there something you didn't like about it? Because I don't know. I, I might try to do it again in the future. Um, but I, I don't really know what I'm doing with those right now. So, um, I don't think I'm a very like expressive person when it comes to announcements. Usually most announcements I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, as you can see in that stream, a lot of times I'm like, this is really cool. I will never play this, but this is really cool. <laughs> it's, it's, it's how most of those go for me, uh, unfortunately. But the nice thing about it is that like, I kind of feel like talking about state of plays and Nintendo directs on the podcast always just feels like kind of redundant in a lot of ways. Um, and, and just kind of long and, and, and I don't know, you all watch the podcast, right? Or the, uh, state of plays and direct. So I feel like me going through them, like on the podcast always just kind of feels kind of useless. At least I imagine a lot of you guys do, but anyways, so there's that video. If you want to go check that out on the YouTube channel, if you want to go watch the state of play with me, um, and then hopefully in the future, we'll refine that a little bit. I did at the very last second be like, why don't we rate this a score? And we gave it like a four out of five, which I think. I think for for our for our purposes on our website here, YouTube podcast whatever that was a four out of five show, like a lot of weird random Japanese stuff cool like like very cool um I, there's there's a couple of things that like probably like I was listening to like Jeff Grubb and like Kyle Bossman, who cover like you know the more mainstream stuff and um you know they they were not particularly impressed but i think for for the types of games we look at on this website it actually was a very good show for that so i um, very impressed by that state of play probably the best state of play i have ever watched um but i don't care about the god of war or anything like that so um yeah it, it was very much for me so that's on there. Um, there is also, just as a heads up, this is an announcement. And then I'll also probably also try to, to do like a reaction stream to this as well. Noon Game Expo. Uh, that They're doing their show on uh, March 31st. If you don't know, this is kind of that E3 uh, time uh, Japanese show with a bunch of smaller Japanese publishers. NT Creates is going to be there. I assume they'll be showing off Gunvolt 3. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't really feel like I want to see Gunvolt 3 right now. I've got like Kogan and uh, X2. Like... Yes, I like if if those games did not just come out, I probably would be more interested in Gunvolt three right now. But right now, I kind of have no interest in Gunvolt three until I at least look at those games. Um, but I am I'm excited. Like I want to see more Gunvolt three, um, and I want to like figure out when that game's coming out as well. So, but it's a bunch of other smaller Japanese developers too. Usually, just like a lot of stuff that is like like more niche JP stuff. So. Um, but yeah, that'll be on March 31st. I think it's like eight in the morning. So that might be a problem for me in trying to make sure I'm up and like ready to, to stream immediately in the morning then. So, but but we'll see. Uh, and then uh, there's a couple different stories here that aren't really like news news for most people probably. There's one I want to talk about very briefly and this is not really, this is not an announcement or anything. It's an announcement of a shutdown of a game we've never talked about. However, the story is so crazy that I feel like I have to mention it. Also, I haven't heard of them. Um, AutomataMedia.com If you don't know who they are, this is the first time I've heard of them. They apparently are very much trying to do that kind of like Andrea saying kind of thing from like 10 years ago where somebody or like Senpai Gamer kind of thing where uh, they are taking Japanese news stories and translating them into English. I love those kind of websites. Um, And unfortunately, I don't think it's a very fruitful market to be in. So I don't expect them to be around super long. But they announced the the, the Western version of their, their website. I think it was like mid last year. And apparently I've been posting since then. I recently just added them to my my news feed for that too after this story, but yeah, so they um, they were, like made a, a story about uh, or or posted a, a translation of a story. That was about a game called Iyo Senkai WW. Um, this is a DMM, like, gacha game kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to guess it's on DMM because there's also an 18-plus version of the game as well. It, yeah, it looks fine. It looks like exactly 100% what you expect. You know, cute anime girl portraits. And then, like, the the actual in-game graphics, you know, are, are little to be desired. But, you know, generally, it looks like one of those games that somebody would, like, become a whale for. And, like, just be like, yes, I love, I love the anime girl, and I, there's, like, a video game component to this kind of thing. However, what is crazy is this game is shutting down, even though it's fairly successful, apparently, it's shutting down, and the reason it's shutting down is apparently, even though it sounds like there, like, is a development team on it, but, like, only one dude is really doing any work. He was doing the game direction, game design, game balance, scenario, script, visual assets, also doing debugging, like... <laughs> And apparently in, in in 2020, that guy only went home like nine times that entire year, which is crazy. So like good on them for like, well, I don't know that that's not really good on them for anything like that should have been resolved earlier. Probably. I don't know. Like, I feel like that's something you could not miss in your company that like this one person is just like essentially killing himself over this, this video game um but that's crazy and i and now that they're shutting they're shutting the game down um i don't think they gave a specific reason um to as to like why they can't like you know redistribute the workout um i think the auto like speculated that maybe it was just so like within his own mind basically that trying to to distribute the workout to other people would just like cause more problems than it would be to just shut the game down so anyways that's just crazy um i'm glad like well, I guess I don't, I don't know really the fate of this person. I'm hoping they didn't have like a bunch of health issues. I hope that he got, gets some compensation for his work for this stuff. I mean, only going home nine times in 2020 is ridiculous. So, um, yeah, that is crazy, but yeah, there's nothing really to say there other than that. Um, and the last story I want to go over here real quick is, like, not really a big news story for anybody, probably. Outside of, you know, particular people of particular interest. But it does relate to something I did uh, uh, probably about five years ago now at this point. geez, it's been a while. Four years ago? Probably four years ago. Um, so, uh, if you didn't know, there's, like, a Final Fantasy XI, like, website that they're using to, like, promote the 20th anniversary of the game. And in there, they're doing a lot of, like, development uh diary stuff bringing in like old staff members like tanaka and things like that bringing him in so it's a it's a very interesting uh bit of information but um one thing that they put out was actually the original map um for uh the world of vanadil which is the world of final fantasy 11 and so you can see you know what it looked like before the actual game was finally implemented um, and so it's really interesting to look at either way. Like, 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 no matter what's on here, it's still interesting to see. You know, you can see kind of the, the beginnings of the, the world of the game, where places are located, early names they have, things like that um and you know given that it's like um you know all written in Japanese despite like having like katakana like some of the naming is a little weird because of that so one super interesting on interesting thing on here is they have an area called uh Selpina and looking at this area um this looks like a a area that I did a story on a long time ago called uh Selphiner um i believe Selphiner is the the map name based off the Um, there's like a town sign in one of the unused areas of the game that will show you that like an arrow pointing to the town and saying selfiener so it probably was originally called you know something or the other or like the developer didn't know exactly how to write it out in in english characters or whatever so so it got like you know messed up but um and like when you look at the map the design looks like that area i did a whole thing on called Um or selfina now i guess um And, and so you can see, you know, the shape, the Chocobo forest right outside of it. And so what this does do actually, is it disproves my theory of it just being like a test area in the game. Um, because like on the map, it shows it like in relation to the rest of the world and stuff. So we actually can see, you know, where all these things in the world, like, uh, you know, go to. Um, so, so I went ahead and updated those original stories I put out there that was like saying, Hey, this probably is not never really a real area. It was just like a test area, um, because apparently it really, really was on a map at some point with intentions that it would do something. Um, the, the, the only things that really I can say, you know, just offhand here is, um, kind of the big things is that the, the train station that was connected behind Selpina, um, that led to two different areas. Um, it led from Bastok. Um, to Selpina, and then all the way up to Juno, And then at that point, I think that's where the train ended. It looks like there's some like, additional tracks that went to a place called Bird Island. I'm not quite sure where that lines up in the world of Final Fantasy XI. Some of these things I could probably figure out if I actually sat down and thought about it more. But that train station basically goes from Bastok, Selpina to Juno. Does not lead to Sandoria at all, or, or, or Windurst um, at all with that. The other thing on here too, is that um, at least as, as of this specific map, Selpina was against the ocean, um, which if you know the actual unused map, Selpina is not against the ocean. It is against a, um, there's like a broken cavern that breaks off and leads off to a like separate field that's like, just like separated from, um, uh, uh, uh like a, I think you can like actually maybe climb over it using, a like a broken out metal metal bridge thing I had to look at it again but but basically it's not set against water Um, but looking at this map because of its position where it's at the fact that there's no other thing called um Selbina on this list there's a very good chance that Selphiner now Selpina is now Selbina which if you're like well Selphiner Selpina or whatever does not look anything like Selbina um that yeah that's probably absolutely true it probably was basically completely redesigned from the bottom up. So, I'm not somebody who's big a fan of like, who's a big fan of like theory, theorizing too much of that stuff. That's kind of why I took that approach to that, you know, uh, article I did of just like, this is probably just a test area. Like, don't read too much into it. Um, but uh, yeah, it is not. Um, I, now, do I think anybody could have like actually you know, pinpointed this before <laughs> at all. I don't think so. Maybe the one c- hint you could have is Selphina kind of sounds like Selbina. So it'd be like, this might be like an early Selbina, but yeah, I am, uh, I, am incredibly surprised that that is the case. So, uh, Luna is the guy who, uh, who sent it over to me. He, he let me know. Uh, I think the actual story is on Gamer Escape though. Yeah. They went and translated the map. Uh, Fusion X is, is the one who posted about it. So very cool. Um, in doing this, I also saw that a guy named Ashenbub, is his name, went through and did a video on those um, unused areas that I could not load before. So if you don't know, when I was doing research, um, those there's a bunch of maps that could not load in the map viewing tool I was, I was working with. Um, I believe the the developer of that tool, Gnosis, is uh, Richard Whitehouse. Um, and Richard, I assume, was bombarded by my <laughs> crash reports when I was working on that. And at some point, um, fix the errors so the maps will load properly. So um, you know he didn't like. I, I know. I know this happened at some point. Somebody made a post on Reddit saying it was fixed. I was like, oh, awesome. But uh, yeah. So so that that stuff is all viewable in there, and I'm really glad somebody who actually plays the game went through them and talked about them. I did not watch his whole stream or or anything like that, so I don't know how in depth he goes. It seemed like he's going pretty in depth from what I clicked around on, um, and like the, the the kind of thing I stand with like. I love Final Fantasy XI, and and I talk about Final Fantasy XI. I think there's a lot of room to do good work with Final Fantasy XI. I don't think there's enough people doing good work with Final Fantasy XI. Um, and I don't feel like me doing the cutting room floor is like the best option for that but sometimes you just got to do it because you can kind of thing. Right. Like that's kind of how I feel about a lot of things. Like I know some people like, like are like only let somebody with like the, the real tool set to really figure this out. But like, if I'm somebody who can actually dedicate the time and like, like, like uh, then, then at the very least, you know, I, I can at least try because I don't want to like sit there and rely on others per se to, to get something done. So really happy to see a modern final fantasy player, go through those maps and look through them and talk about them and, and- and probably get a lot more, um, insight into those than I can. Um, I am hoping, uh, I did not watch the stream. You know, I do, I do personally prefer the kind of lean on the realist aspect of it. So, you know, there are some maps in that map, those those unused maps that are very clearly test maps that are not like real maps. Um, for example, the area that Cellfina is in, there are generic versions of that area that are layered with different effects um and so like those are not real areas like they, they are completely copy paste it looks like they were just testing out what does this look like with snow what does this look like when it's on fire kind of thing right so so there are there are definitely things in that 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 map that i don't think um were, were real real things but uh it'd be really interesting to take this map though and go through all those unused areas and see what like lines up like chocobo forest is something that's in there um you know i don't know if there's anything in that you know you might be able to find um in those unused maps if you're able to pull in like the hex editor you might be able to see like if there's references to choco forest in any of those 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 text uh, files for that um but yeah anyways very cool very glad this is one of those situations where somebody might be like well are, are you sad that your work has gone to waste and i'm like no man like i'm always for somebody learning something new i would rather be disproven about something as long as we learn the truth about it so so the fact that selpina was a real area in the game that's awesome the fact that we can actually pinpoint where it was and like the history of it even more cool um do i wish i could go back and like do something more and like like create that story around that absolutely will i be the person to do that i don't think so should i be the person to do that i don't think so would i like to be the person to do that yes i would like to be the person to do that <laughs> but but you know it's just it's one of those things that i always have to think about with palm has 11 that game is so massive has such a history and, and 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 there's just infinitely infinitely more insight somebody can have on the world of final fantasy 11 if they have that expertise i do not have that expertise i played until 2008 and stopped so you know there, there there's been well over a decade of that game existing with me barely interacting with it right um so so i just think that there's there's room for people to do more with that game and there's still room for people to do more with that game so if you are interested in doing final fantasy 11 stuff at all like i cannot guarantee my Time or anything like that um but if you are like i am interested in digging into final Fantasy 11 in some way let me know so i'm at least aware of you being interested because i definitely um want to help facilitate that stuff as much as i can do i have a lot of time to? no i don't um but you know if i know that definitely gives me some insight. I'm like, hey, I have this idea. How can I work with other people on this kind of thing? So if I do push on something, I would love to be able to, you know, bring in somebody who who has real resources on that stuff. The hard thing with me is that I'm not running a Final Fantasy XI specific channel. I'm running a channel about random video games all the time so it like I can't really dedicate a ton of time to one particular game like this so but yeah there's a lot of really interesting stuff on this map there's like an area called crimson fields um and I, I really wonder if that was um the like kind of red forest area um that that is in those unused maps as well so just like skimming through this map I'm already seeing stuff that like jumps out at me like this stuff lines up with some of the unused maps and things like that so anyways very cool and that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. In terms of content, um, you know, uh, the Pokemon channel uh, casual review, that's going to be going up this week. I am no longer labeling casual reviews as casual reviews. Um, I'm re- labeling them as reviews. There was a period of time where that made sense because I was doing featured reviews versus casual reviews. But I think going forward, I will not really be doing featured reviews very much anymore. Um, If I do a featured review of a game, it will probably be a part of a larger video of a game. So I might label it like with reviews and stuff in the tags, depending on what gets talked about in the video. Um, But usually those videos, I'm doing something a lot more than just reviewing a game. So um, for now, the casual reviews are just going to be called reviews going forward. Um, They are still the same format, though. So I'm not like, you know, writing up, you know, two pages about you know, Pokemon channel. I'm still just kind of talking off the cuff about it. So, but that's going up soon. Feel good about that one. Pokemon channel is a really cool game. Uh, it's probably one of the few Pokemon channel or Pokemon games I'll probably ever really enjoy. So I'm really glad that, uh, that I sat down and played through that. I was not expecting to enjoy it, to be honest with you. Um, it looked really boring when I played that first day. I was like, this is very boring, but I was very pleasantly surprised by um the the pet aspect of that game a lot so that's going up on uh Wednesday this week so you can check that out um we're still streaming Evergrace so that's going up uh, or we're streaming on Thursday I don't know if we're gonna beat Evergrace this week we're getting to that point where we're getting close but I actually don't know like I assume after you finish Darius's and Charlene's mode that there will be a bonus story on top of that I could be wrong But that would be my thought maybe, or at least like a boss battle. So we'll see if we do beat the game and we have time, we'll go ahead and do the casual review for the game. So we'll plan on that. Um, and then after that, we're going to be doing a stream where we go through a bunch of Dojin games, um, on stream, uh, or specifically a university disc. Um, so we'll be going, picking a university from the university disc I have, and we'll just be playing through a university's games over the years. Hopefully, we don't have too much trouble with that. Those games are not built to be real video games, really. Not real video games, but like things that are sold and like distributed widely. So, you know, how effective we're going to be at actually sitting down and, and, and getting them to work and be able to capture them is going to be probably something that's going to evolve through the stream itself. So, yes. Um, so that is that is the plan once we're done with Evergrace. But for now, Evergrace is the focus, and we'll, we'll finish that up. Um, we also had a, the community review for um, uh, the sort of Ateria come up uh uh, or go up last week so if you want to check that community review out that is up now um so we can go you can go ahead and uh and, and watch that if you're interested the parasite eve one will be going up after the pokemon channel review next week the parasite eve one is long it is like 50 minutes um so so if you if you didn't watch that you can go and like listen to me like like anguish over what is good about that game gameplay wise, because it's a good game gameplay wise, but there are problems with it. And I had to really make sure I defined those when we finished the review of that. So I'm really happy with that casual review or that uh, community review overall for Parasite Eve, you know, despite me being kind of down on the game, you know, I was glad we were able to actually uh, uh, get through that. I'm a big fan of the community review segment. So if there's anything more you want out of the community reviews or like some of the more content like that, let me know. I was thinking about this recently of just like, you know, I don't feel like there's something like particularly unique about my stream outside of just the games we play. And even those, like some of those are fairly mainstream games. So if you do have like something you would like me to do, um, or would like me to lean into more, let me know. Um, the community review stuff is definitely something that I personally really love because it, um, encourages the conversations I like about video games. Um, you know, i'm somebody who cares a lot about having discourse with people about games learning why people feel certain ways about games and kind of coming to like a a joint conclusion about something that even if me and you do not agree about this part of like why it's good or bad we have an understanding of why each other feels that way that that is i think what i really hope to communicate with that 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 um community review aspect And I do, I do really love doing them. So if you have something more, like if you want me to lean into that aspect more, maybe we can find more ways to do something like that. Or maybe there's ways we can improve the community review aspect. Let me know. I really like them. So yes. Um, Otherwise, that's gonna be it for this week. Thanks for coming. Onechillboard.com is the the website. Again, bonus content on Patreon off Patreon if you want to do that. Uh, All the links for that stuff is in the description here. And then, uh, yeah, and that's gonna be it. Thanks for coming. Have a great week. Bye.